0: Man, I am so encouraged by the worship. I was having a hard time keeping uh, the, the beat because I was trying to sing with you guys because you guys were so loud. I was trying to sing and play at the same time. I can't do it. I can't do it. So, so forgive me. Give me grace for those, uh, for those minor mess-ups that I made there. But I was just I, really just so enthusiastic about how everyone came together. and I, I mean, I was just enjoying the voices united worshiping uh, Jesus. Um, for those of you that don't know me, my name is Ricardo. Um, I'm a math professor at CBU, Cal Baptist University, so yeah, I, I, I do something a lot of you hate, some of you love, but I mean, that's, that's how it is. Um, and um, we just finished a series called Radical Generosity, and in that series we were rethinking what we can bring to the table. Specifically, we we thought about uh, when we bring things to the table to be generous, what we do is we bring what we have, and God multiplies it. He makes it bigger, and He makes it meet the needs of uh, the needs of those around us. We saw that with the loaves and the fish, and then we talked about the fact that when we bring, we're actually bringing things that aren't ours. Our our, our properties, our possessions, our talents, and, and etc. All those things really belong to God and He makes us an administrator. We talked about the fact that uh, earth is not our home but heaven is our home. And, and we went into all these different details about how we need to rewire our thinking rewire our brain to the concept of giving to others and um, and how we view that in relationship to god and how really giving is more for us and it's not for you know for giving to a specific person but it blesses us when we give to others it frees us and it shows a dependence on god and that series was just powerful, and if you haven't heard all of it, you could go to the podcast section in our website and check it out. But today we start the beautiful exchange series. We have two weeks to talk about the most important and central thing in the gospel, the cross. And not the cross itself, but what Jesus did on the cross, the play on the cross. The fact that he becomes a substitute for us. And that's why we're calling this series a beautiful exchange. It is a beautiful exchange because a sinner is exchanged with a saint in terms of what they are. One is a sinner, the other is a saint. And the sinner can't prove himself worthy of the standards of God. But the saint does. And the exchange happens. Now here's the thing. The only person that could be such a saint is Jesus Christ because He is God made man. He is God the Son coming to obey the Father and satisfy that substitution in order to just meet the... the. the the love that extends from the Father for us and meet the justice that is required for our sins because sins must be punished. That's a bird's view, uh, an overview of what we're talking about today. Now, a couple of items that we'll discuss today we discussed before so if you were here for our gift of hope during christmas the first week of the gift of hope was the, uh, the hope for righteousness so i might hit some points there bear with me if you heard some of those points before but they are necessary to address now here's the thing in order for us to talk about the exchange that happens on the cross there's some vocabulary that we need to get out of the way we need to use some terms that pop up in the bible when they read when we read them and explain what they mean and the first one is righteous this sounds like a fancy bible word but righteous and there's a definition for righteousness and it's an easy definition a person is righteous if a person follows god's moral law without failing now that's perfection we said that before that's following god's moral law with no skips Now here's the thing, I like thinking of it as two blank pieces of paper. This is Jesus, there's no marks on it, and God gives us instructions. He says, alright, this is a test, right? Here you go, bring it back to me with no markings on it. That's how you pass the test. No markings on it. And the problem is, we do this. Even if it's just one, we didn't follow the instructions. One sin. Just one sin, two sins, three sins. Society likes to measure the amount of sins or the degree of the sins and say, well, you know, I'm closer to God or, you know, God sees me as good because for the most part, this paper is clean versus another paper that might have a lot more markings than this sin. But the problem is the standard of God is the blank piece of paper. So everyone fails. All sinners are alike in that sense. Now I'm not saying that sins are are all the same in the sense of consequence and motivation. Indeed there are sins that are worse than others. But before God and meeting his demands and his what, what is worthy of his glory, then yes, we fall short. Just one sin is sufficient. And it's because at the end of the day sin boils down to whether big or small The fact that we exchange valuing God above all for something else. We find a satisfaction in something else versus finding it in God. And at the end of the day, we can do that to different degrees, but that's still the sin. I mean, think about the Garden of Eden. When you go back to that story of Adam and Eve, if you've heard it, the apple. They're told, don't take the apple, don't eat of this one tree. And they go, they just take one apple and eat it. That's it you'd think, well, I mean, that's just a a minor mishap. Let's just brush that under the rug. But that's the whole point. They exchange all the provision of God, fellowship with God, being in the garden with God. They exchange all of that so that they can uh, taste this enticing thing because they say, well, maybe this is better than what God provides. Maybe this is better than the fellowship that I have with Him when I obey Him. So sin, big or small, yes, they are different. They have different consequences, for sure. But at the end of the day, just one, one sin makes it fall short. Just one marking right there. See, God doesn't throw curveballs at us in terms of tests. He, get, he gives us the instructions very clear. Just bring it back, make sure it's blank. Not this, you failed. Right? This is, what, this is what he asked for. He doesn't throw curveballs at us. When I, when I, think, when I say curveballs, here's what I mean. There's this professor back home in Puerto Rico. He's a, he's a legend in Puerto Rico. He, here's what he does. On the first day of class, he walks in and he says, I will never walk through that door and give you guys a pop quiz. I will never walk through that door and give you guys a pop quiz. The next day, he climbed through the window and gave everyone a pop quiz. <laughs> That's a curveball. That's a curveball. God doesn't do that. God gives us very easy to follow instructions. I want the paper back blank. No sins. So the good news is the Bible tells us that we are incapable of doing that. We are incapable of providing a blank paper. See, we are sinners. And a sinner is someone that has sinned. The marking on the paper. We've made that marking on the paper over and over again. And again, to different degrees, some of us... You know, get creative, make markings like that all across. Then we try to erase them and hide them. But they're there, and instead of pencil, I wish I had a pen, because really it's ink that we can't remove. The reason it can't be removed is because sin, if God is just, God needs to punish sin. But there's a solution for that because of God's love. Now... When I was, you know, growing up, I had a very different mindset regarding all this. And some of you have heard me talk about this before. But I used to think, okay, well, you know, I want to get closer to God by being better than others. I want to, you know... I, I want to obey to an extent. I know I won't get it perfect, but I could be pretty darn good. I'm, I'm just not going to do the big sins. I'm not going to kill. I'm not going to lie a lot. Well, but you're lying a little. I'm not going to be envious. Well, you're envious a little bit sometimes. So forth. And I convinced myself this was the right way to do it. But over and over again, I realized that I fell short. I was not good, even at my own standards. I was not good. And... It happened in little thoughts or actions or moments in which I slipped. I just made a mistake, made a boo-boo. I, made, I sinned at different levels, but I did it, and I recognized it, and I knew it. And this was the most frustrating thing for me. Growing up in a, in a religious, self-imposed, really, environment, um, I really tried to meet these demands that I was never capable of meeting. And here's what the Bible taught me, and here's what I learned Whether we are thieves or Pharisees, we are all sinners. Whether we are thieves or Pharisees, we are all sinners. And I just threw up another Bible word up there, Pharisees. A lot of you are acquainted with this, some of you are not. Let me explain what a Pharisee was back in the days of Jesus. The Pharisees were a group, a society if you will, of Jewish leaders that had their their way of interpreting and obeying the Mosaic Law. And they tried to follow it to a T, and in fact, in a sense, they really did follow it to a T. But that was the problem. Their mind was so limited to what it means to obey God that they neglected all these other things that weren't written on their magic list. So they had a list, they wrote down, okay, we do this on Saturdays, we do not eat this certain type of food, or we make sure that if we accidentally kill someone, we do this certain type of ritual, and they had all these different lists, a big list of different things that they would, you know, go into, and make sure that they obeyed it to a T, and they did, they did. But at the expense of that, they were doing all these other things that were wrong. And see, what the Pharisees did, long story short, if you want to understand what a Pharisee was, a Pharisee puts religion over love over God's love, okay? So a Pharisee puts their religious code over love. So they'd do weird things like, well, you know, uh, on, on Sabbath you were, you were not supposed to work, which is correct. But then if someone needed help, they wouldn't necessarily help them. And Jesus said, well, I mean, why, why are you sacrificing love at the expense of obeying this list that you've interpreted? You need to help a person in need. And and so over and over again, Jesus was saying, look, your religion is supposed to be founded on love. You're using it to give you a sense of goodness and righteousness that you don't have. And you're trumping love. You're throwing love away. You're not having mercy. You're not, you know, helping others in need. So again, the Pharisees had the magic list. And because they obeyed that magic list, they felt, as society likes to say today, self-righteous. In their eyes, they had the blank paper. The problem was they had the wrong exam. They had the blank paper for their list. But in God's list, they had this one. And they failed to see it. And they fought to keep this way of doing things. And when anything showed up that tried to point them towards this, they said, no, We are Pharisees. We are self-righteous. We are good on our own because we obey perfectly these magic laws. Even though we are messing up on these other ones, this is what we need to keep. This is our interpretation of how to do it. This is how we obey God. And so they they were self-righteous. Self-righteous is a concept that Christians should be unacquainted unacquainted with. We're not self-righteous. We're going to learn today, we need the righteousness that's provided by Jesus because of the substitute on the cross. So that's what Pharisees were. And here's the thing. This is where Jesus just totally blows everyone's mind. He says, thieves and Pharisees are alike. Okay, you guys, keeping your magic list all awesome, you're doing everything great you think, And here's a thief, he steals. Here's a prostitute, she sells herself. Here's a, and the list keeps going. And Jesus says, look, these guys are recognizing that they're sinners, they're repenting, and here you are declaring your self-righteousness. And they are the ones that enter the kingdom of heaven. Those that humble themselves and say, yes, I do have this. See, the Pharisees keep trying to say this while the thieves." We're saying, I, yes. Look, this is me. I'm doing this. I need help. Whether we are thieves or Pharisees, we are all sinners. And again, this was revealed to me in the Bible. Romans 3:23 is clear on this. The blank paper standard of God. Romans 3:23 says, "For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God." What's worthy of the glory of God? The blank paper. No sins. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. You've got to understand, the Pharisees were insulted. Because when he says, all of you have sinned, he's equating them with thieves, prostitutes, tax collectors, and all these other bunches that weren't looked very well upon, because they were sinners. They were, Jesus is telling them, you need me as much as they need me. And society messes this up sometimes. In fact, some people that call themselves Christians do this sometimes. They try to rank themselves and say, well, I don't do that type of sin. But Jesus is saying, you must be born again to the Pharisee. He's telling it to everyone. Everyone has to start fresh from zero. There is no righteousness that you can achieve on your own because at the end of the day, you can't erase your markings. You can't. That's the big problem. So... um, whether in action or thought, we've all sinned. I recognized this at an early age, and, and I was encouraged when I saw it in the Bible, because I realized, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm not supposed to be able to. I can't. I can't be perfect. Now, here's Jesus throwing this contrast in the face of the Pharisees over and over again. We're going to read a couple of scriptures here, where he says, look at you, the so-called good one, and look at the low lives." Now, I want to clarify something here. In the Bible, they talk, in the New Testament, in the Gospels, they talk about tax collectors. Just like Pharisees, tax collectors had a reputation back in the day. Tax collectors usually would use extortion or would to get the money, or they would charge more than they should have charged. So they were well known for it. I'm not saying every tax collector did that, but in general, tax collectors were known for that. That's what their reputation were. So here's Jesus putting the contrast and saying to the Pharisee, you're at the same level. You're just as unworthy. So here it is, Luke 18, verses 9 through 14. In verse 9, uh, it starts with, he also told this parable to some who trusted in themselves that they were righteous. Catch that. They thought they were good enough. They thought they had the blank paper from their magic list. Who trusted in themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. I'm better than you. Two men went up into the temple to pray. One a Pharisee, the really goody good, and the other a tax collector. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. Again, slap in the face to the establishment of the goody goods, the the Pharisees who thought they were self-righteous. Jesus does this scandalous contrast again in Matthew chapter 21 verses 28 through 32 in chapter twenty one verses twenty eight through thirty two he says, "What do you think a man had two sons and he said and he, and he went to the first and said, "Son, go and work in the vineyard today and he answered, "I will not, but afterward, later, he changed his mind and went and he went to the other son and said the same and he answered, "I go, sir, but did not go. Which of the of the two did the will of his father They responded they said, "The first Jesus said to them, Truly, I say to you, the tax collectors and the prostitutes go into the kingdom of God before you. Again, telling the self-righteous people, Guys, you need me just as much. You're just as messed up as they are. But they recognize it. For John came to you in the way of righteousness, and you did not believe him. But the tax collectors and prostitutes believed him. And even when you saw it, you did not afterward change your minds and believe. Repent and believe. That's the key aspect to being part of the exchange that we're going to talk about. And so here's the point. What, why have we bothered with this? Because again, society likes to rank are standing with God, they say, well, I'm better because I don't do those sins. I don't commit these sins, so I'm better. But God, Jesus is saying when He comes to earth, He talks to us, and He talks to both Pharisees and thieves alike, and He says, you're all in need. You're thirsty. You need a Savior. You're sinful. I can give you that. You're not righteous by yourself. And so, the point is, whether you're a thief tax collector, or whatever. Substitute it with whatever you feel guilty of. Or whether you're a Pharisee, self-righteous and thinking you got it all you know, well in terms of your standing with God. Regardless of which of those two you are, or anything in between, you're a sinner. That's it. And God, that's where God says, I, I need a plan. It didn't catch him off guard. This was planned since the beginning of creation. He said, I need to satisfy The wrath of my wrath, the wrath of God, because sin must be punished. If not, God isn't just, right? God needs to be a God of justice. He must punish sin. I recognized this at an early age. I realized, yeah, I'm messing up. I deserve punishment. But God loves us. That's the good news. The gospel, the good news. God loves us. He loves us so much, He wants to provide a way for us to be saved. So here you have mercy that god because of his love he wants to be merciful but you have justice two things that i like thinking of as intention if you get justice then you don't have mercy and if you don't have mercy then you don't have uh, if, then if you have mercy then you don't have justice there's only one way to actually have them both and that is with a substitute see what we do what jesus does with us is he says yes this is your paper your name's on it This is my paper. Let's switch our names because you can't erase that. This must be punished. This is still there and it cannot remove. You can't erase it. It must be punished. So let me switch my name with yours. Let me take the punishment. Let me get on the cross for that lie, for that lust, for that envy, for that hate, for that murder for that disrespect to the parents, for all the things that you think that, man, those, those were bad ones. And I, I have ones that I have in my past that to this day I feel bad about. But God reminds me of His grace. And He said, yeah, I switched the name with you because I got up in there. I had nails through me. I bled and I died for the punishment of your sins. That doesn't mean Jesus is guilty. We're guilty. But He switched the names and He absorbed the justice. He absorbed the wrath of God because sins must be punished. And in doing that, we get to put our name on Jesus's exam. I mean, it just, it drives, it, 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 it gives me goosebumps because then I'm reminded of all of the, the bad stuff I've done in the past i 'm reminded of all the times i 've messed up, and I know that that 's what he got up there for and he gave me this it 's insane that when I get to heaven jesus 's paper is the one that they read when they say, "What was ricardo 's life like that look that 's it. Amen. That is the gospel that 's the good news it 's a beautiful exchange. We get exchanged it 's just powerful. You're free from sin, from the curse of sin, the sins that have been pulling you down, the sins that have been getting in the way of your life, the sins you haven't been able to defeat yet. Well, guess what? With the exchange, you're declared righteous, and He will give you the power to defeat those sins. A beautiful exchange. The believer's sin has been attributed to Christ. The righteousness of Christ has been attributed to the believer. That's the the beautiful exchange. Attribute it because again, Christ isn't guilty; He's treated and regarded as guilty, and I'm treated and regarded as, as, as righteous. That's why it's not self righteousness; it's righteousness that comes from God. He provided it for me via His substitution. And the key scripture for the, for this is Second Corinthians five twenty one. A lot of people call this the Great Exchange passage or the Beautiful Exchange passage. Um, this is the one that directly says this second corinthians chapter 5 verse 21 and it reads for our there's the love aspect there for us for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin jesus had to be perfect if we wanted to get a blank paper right he had to be perfect so that in him we might become the righteousness of god that's just insane In other passages, it says that when this exchange happens, we get seated in the heavenly realms with God. I mean, we're in the presence of God. We can approach the throne of grace with confidence. This separation that existed because of sin that happened in the garden is gone. Completely vanquished because of this exchange. That's love. In fact, when Jesus is praying for the church, for you, In John 17, he says, he even acknowledges that the Father loves you as much as he loves Jesus. It's in John 17, I'm not making this up. And that's mind-blowing. He loves believers, he loves the church as much as he loves Jesus. That's, I mean, how do I earn that love? I can't earn it. Jesus did. In Isaiah 53, we see prophetic... uh, a prophetic message that tells us of this exchange and how it happens. And the, the, the word sin that you just saw in 2 Corinthians 5.21 shows up a couple more times in there. And it says things like, He bore our griefs. He was crushed for our iniquities. The Lord laid on Him the iniquity of us all. He shall bear their iniquities. He bore the sin of many. Over and over again, when you read Isaiah 53, this This language comes up over and over again. In 1 Peter 2, again, in verses 22 and 24, we see this substitution explained again. He committed no sin, blank paper. Neither was deceit found in His mouth. He Himself bore our sins in His body on the tree that we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By His wounds you have been healed. That's powerful. So how do we participate in the beautiful exchange? How do people get to participate? The answer is faith. We can participate in the exchange by declaring our faith like the thief on the cross. See, once Jesus is on the cross before his death, once he's been crucified, there's two other crosses with with two thieves next to them. They deserve the penalty for which they're there. And Jesus does not. One of them recognizes the power of God in Jesus because he even tells him, Save us! Get us off this cross! I mean, aren't you the so called Messiah? In Luke 23, verses 39 through 43, he says, The thief says, Are you not the Christ? Save yourself and us. But the other rebuked him, saying, Do you not fear God? since you are under the same sentence of condemnation, and we indeed justly, for we are receiving the due reward of our deeds. But this man has done nothing wrong. Blank paper. And he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And he said to him, Truly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. Truly, I say to you, today you will be with me in paradise. That's a declaration of faith. Declare your faith like the thief on the cross. This is the message of the gospel, that I can participate in the beautiful exchange if I look at Jesus and I say, I'm a sinner. You're dying for my sins. Can you please save me? There's two key aspects there. Repentance and belief. That's faith. If you just believe in the power of God, you're the first thief. Yeah, he recognized who he was. Yeah, you're the Messiah. Come come meet my needs. Get me off this cross, will you? come on god do it you know do what your power can do that's recognizing the power of god and treating it with contempt the other thief humbles himself and says i am a sinner i deserve to die this death in fact he's not even concerned about his death you realize he says do you not fear god he's more worried about his eternal consequences that's what he's worried about but he looks to jesus and says look i deserve this You don't. Save me. Remember me. Save me. And Jesus, just like that, swaps the names. Flips these around. Just like that. That's powerful. Today in this nation, people think being a Christian is a religious thing. They see Christians as Pharisees. They're not Pharisees. They're broken people that recognize their sin. They look at their sin and they say, you died for them, and I need your salvation. You died for them, and I need you to bear the guilt of my sin, because you loved me. After, after that declaration, Jesus says, a couple of verses later, Father, into your hands, I commit my spirit. In fact, He said it with a loud voice. And, and having said that, He breathed His last died and let me tell you not just the physical pain or even the death but the the sorrow of carrying the, the guilt of my sins I'm, I'm gonna level with you i remember back in the day when i did some bad stuff i remember every lust every lie every time that i tried to put myself above others i remember every time i was hateful envious and i see jesus absorbing that there and then I think about how He did it for everyone. And that—that's that's, imagine carrying that. That's love. We need to break the stereotype of what it means to be a Christian in this nation. We need to preach that message. It's not about being self-righteous. It's about saying, I'm broken. We're all broken. I need Jesus. We need to preach that. We need to tell others, declare your faith like a thief. You're no better than a thief. Neither am I. We're all thieves We're all Pharisees. We're all sinners alike. The beautiful exchange happens through faith. Declare your faith like the thief on the cross. And you will be saved. You will be part of the beautiful exchange. As the band comes up, I want to say a word of prayer. Let's go ahead and stand up actually. Let's bow our heads. Let's close our eyes. I'm going to make a a, a prayer, an invitation For anyone that might have not known Christ before that needs that salvation or needs to reacquaint themselves with Jesus because they've been far off in sin land. And they want to say, hey, you took care of it. Come come help me free myself from this. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes, and let's pray. And I'm going to have everyone repeat this prayer with me. Whether you've been a believer before or not, let's just everyone in solidarity repeat this prayer. Father, I am a sinner. I am nothing without You. Jesus, You died in my place for the punishment that I deserved. Save me. And I will carry my cross and follow You the rest of my days, in Jesus' name. Now, with everyone's eyes closed, still and heads down. If you prayed that for the first time, and you want to acknowledge it, you can slip your hand up. Everyone's eyes closed and hands up. If you, this is thank you, thank you. Again, if anyone is praying this for the first time, thank you. Praise God. Salvation has come to this place. Last time, if anyone is praying this for the first time or praying it for a, for, for just because you needed to reacquaint yourself, praise Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, God. There is celebration now in heaven. You can put your hands down. There is celebration in heaven today because we are free. We've participated in the beautiful exchange. And if this wasn't your first time, celebrate it with others. You're no better than them just because they came to the table today. Right? The workers came late and they got the same reward. Praise God. Praise God. So let's celebrate. Next Sunday, we get to celebrate the resurrection which tells us why we can rise from the grave after we die. Praise God. In Jesus' name. Father, I just want to pray for the souls that have come to you right now. And I pray that that you bless them with a a gravity towards you that they may be hooked on you that they may be passionate about you and want to tell others that we're all thieves and Pharisees alike we need the exchange we need you to exchange your righteousness for our sinfulness I pray that you would unite us as a church that is passionate about spreading the gospel to others we pray all of this as we worship you in the mighty name of Jesus Amen. Amen